Hello, and welcome to Episode 6 of the API The Docs podcast. This is a companion to the API The Docs virtual conference series, which focuses on API documentation, developer experience, and developer portals. This podcast series features the Q&A sessions that follow the speaker presentations at each of the virtual events that we've held. Today's recording is from the June 24th event, the last of the spring series, where we heard two different presentations. If you weren't able to attend, you can get the full context by watching slides and videos of the event. These are hosted in the Events Recap section of the Pronovix.com blog. What follows is the Q&A for this event, hosted by Lara Voss, who is the MC, and she posed questions to let the presenters dig a little deeper to help connect the dots in answering the questions that might have been raised by their talks. First, you'll hear from Michelle Fredette and Chris Cowell from New Relic. Michelle is a lead technical writer, and Chris is a technical trainer. Michelle and Chris gave us some great insights on onboarding new technical writers and their talk, Eight Hours to API Literacy, a fast, fun on-ramp for writers. Now let's listen to Michelle and Chris answer the questions that Laura posed. Do you also do training for your software developers on how they could document the APIs? And do you do that differently, considering the large number of developers in a company? You know, we haven't done a ton of that yet, but I think that we are going to be launching some writing classes because we are going to a much more open source approach with all the documentation at New Relic. And we want to help developers feel a lot more confident about writing and, you know, know what types of things that are expected. So I think that that's to come. Mm -hmm. And the 80%. The finicky parts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> how, do you, how do you follow up on that? Do you meet as a group? And then when you have a new colleague, how do you onboard them? So that's a good question. We have a pretty, you know, we have a really well-established sort of onboarding approach, but it has not covered API documentation. I mean, I think that one of the things that we're going to be doing is bringing in Chris for another round because we didn't get all of the writers in our class the first time. But yeah, we we did, Chris left us with a bunch of exercises to work on. And when we get out of the current season of releases, I think that we'll have time to go back to those and refresh and then kind of add on to what we learned. And if uh, somebody had to like, get budget for this training. Like you're pretty cool about <laughs> metrics in your relic. <laughs> so you gotta prove numbers. <laughs> uh-huh. What would you measure? So are you asking how much it would cost? No. <laughs> I'm, sure. um, no, okay. I'm asking yeah. what kind of numbers can you put under TXO level to say this training is definitely going to be worth it? Uh, okay. uh, what could you measure yeah. to follow up that this this was worth it or it will be worth it? I think that, you know, it depends on how you're measuring the impact of your documentation. But if, if people are actually using your API reference, you know, that's something that we look a lot at a lot because we are a monitoring company. So, you know, are they are they really going there and using it as a resource? Are you getting any kind of feedback from, you know, we we do customer satisfaction feedback, you know, what kind of feedback are you getting? Are there areas in the API docs that are 
kind of consistently coming back as not not effective. Those are the kinds of things that we measure and work on. And you know, also I would say like increased number of other kinds of API content that are not just reference content. Those are the biggies for me. Yeah, right. because it's very hard to put a number on confidence, but that's where it all starts. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And there is a question that actually doesn't come from me. It comes from uh, Andrew from Shopify. He was asking in uh, the Writer Docs channel about API documentation, whether people in larger tech writer teams have tried pair writing, but like not developer technical writer, but technical writers actually writing the same thing live together. I wonder, because have you met this in companies, and what would you recommend? Is it even a, is there even a point in trying this? I've never seen that, but I love the idea, and I would love to try pair writing with someone. Michelle, have you ever seen that happen, either at New Relic or elsewhere? I mean, the close, like not on API docs necessarily, but maybe I think that what we have a really nice process where we do peer editing and that becomes a little bit more like pair writing in the sense that you know sometimes if if you have a lot of feedback or you have a lot of ideas you'll sit down with the person either before they even start because sometimes you'll field a request for documentation and then you'll hand it off to a different writer who has time to to take that ticket so in a sense, there's a lot of collaboration that way. You might say, I had ideas about how to write this, but I don't have time to, you know, I'm not the one who's doing it. And so you would share your ideas. And then you might also do some peer review afterwards. But never actually sitting down together yeah. uh, like like you might with a pair programming. But I, I think that would be very cool. Yeah. I wonder, I have to wonder if there would be a tug of war over styles. So like Michelle, if you and I were sitting down trying to write a paragraph together, if it, if it were code, we could both tell, yeah, the code works or it doesn't. But if it's the English language, I feel like your style and my style might be at war with each other. And I might constantly want to be editing what you had written and vice versa. But, but uh, no way to tell until you try it, I guess. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that 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 happens all the time with words. But you know, usually you have some something like that tells you this is. There's a lot of guidelines already in place, and you can kind of re rely on those as as the sort of frame to, that you're working in. So it's, it, we would we would come to agreement, Chris. <laughs> I would just to you. I would, I would win. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Guy, really. yeah. Mm -hmm. but, uh, <laughs> to keep right. People would like to know what you would recommend for people who would want to change career path from development to technical writing. Oh, I answer this question a lot. So I'm happy to, you know, to feel that one. And Chris, you've You've kind of done this, so you can speak from personal experience. But, you know, I think that getting some actual writing under your belt is the biggest thing. You know, you have this great thing, which is this technical background that's incredibly useful. And then being able to show that you also have writing skills. You know, you might be able to say, oh, I took a lot of writing in college or I did some past writing, but actually showing some writing experience. Like in one place that I often send people is to GitHub, which has tons of 
open source content, you know, calls for open source content. And if you can, you know, take some time to learn what, you know, that particular project is after and, and, and develop some of the content that they're required or requesting, that's a perfect example of something that you can then show potential employers. And then it'll also give you, you know, something to talk about so that you, you're talking from experience and not sort of theoretically about your ability to write or your interest in writing. So that's one thing I, you know, there's a lot of technical tech writing sort of uh, certificate programs now and, and you don't necessarily need to do a whole program. It's helpful sometimes to do that. Sometimes they're, they're like a year long. But if you can take a couple of classes so that you can be familiar with general principles of technical writing and tools, you know, and the strategies, those are the big things that, that employers are generally looking for, I've found. Chris, do you have other things you would add to that? It's, yeah, I think it's like anything else. If you're, if you're transitioning into a new area, you, you just need to practice it a lot. This is the, the low low cost way of training yourself is take some technology that you know. I'm going to use Git again as an example and just practice writing a page or two explaining Git to whatever target audience you decide on. I often try to explain things to my my parents who are in their 80s, which means I need to like <laughs> really break things down super simple. And then even better is if you can find what someone else has already written about that technology and you can compare your attempt at kind of what a, a, an established professional's attempt looks like. And I'm always amazed with my own writing when I try that, how verbose mine is, how they were able to say exactly what I said in one third the number of words. And it's so much more powerful the way they've constructed things. So I've learned a lot from doing that technique. Yeah. I think also templates could be helpful to to go from a very analytical clear cut way of writing and not to fall over to writing a novel <laughs> next at the event we heard from uwana ikadi developer documentation manager at big commerce who presented a talk on improving your api documentation from the inside out which gave us new insights on the soliciting and using of both external and internal audience feedback for improving your documentation. Here's the exchange between Laura and Uwana. There's a brilliant one that I never heard before. Do you ever create an anti-persona? Perhaps someone you might hear from, but it's not the main target of the docs. Mm -hmm. So I would say that we don't set out really to make anti-personas that are as extensive perhaps as the personas that I showed in my presentation, but it's definitely a conversation that comes up when we're creating the personas initially. So what we try to keep in mind is who could possibly be navigating to the documentation what problem are they trying to solve? What information are they trying to gather? And how might they have ended up at certain documentation? Or when is it more likely that they might end up there? And make sure that we're leaving information in that documentation to redirect them to the information that they might need. One example of this is a lot of the times the developers that might be interacting with our APIs are going to be going to certain documentation along with uh, partners that we uh, work a little bit closely cl 
uh, closer with. So in high traffic documentation areas, we make sure to point and call out that if you are a, a partner, as opposed to maybe just a standard developer that's interacting with our APIs, that here is a link off to information that might pertain more to you and might have more information that pertains to you. Yeah, that's excellent. I have a question. If someone is a sole technical writer in a larger company, and this happens very often, where would you recommend that they would start with this? What would be like the minimal effort but the biggest bang? Mm -hmm. I would say that it would depend on how much time you have to dedicate to accepting feedback and basing any changes that you're making off of your documentation off of feedback. So I would go in one of two directions. The first direction is that I would focus very much so on internal feedback mm -hmm. and work from there because mm -hmm. that gives you a little bit more control uh, and a lot more access to the information and the people that you're needing to talk to and getting more in their mindset of why they're asking for certain changes. If you're going for an external, I would say do it in a very compartmentalized approach. So decide on the areas of documentation where you would like to get feedback on and open up uh, maybe a feedback mechanism on the page itself that allows for your external users or your external readers to give you that feedback. And then as you address certain sections of the documentation at a time, you can shut it down and then move that feedback mechanism to another section. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that sounds very doable. Katrin is asking if you have any advice on how to build trust with uh, your internal audiences. They are a big company making a big change to their uh, API landscape. Uh, their previous attempts have failed. And there's a lot of grousing about people not knowing how to do the things they need to do to consume cross-product APIs. Mm -hmm. So I would start this off when it comes to building trust with your internal audience. The most important thing that I found, especially as it pertains to technical documentation, is making sure that you are visible, that you are in the room, and that you are always acting as the really advocate for your readers and making sure that people understand that documentation is the key way that people interact and understand how to interact with your APIs. And without that documentation, it's you're going to feel it and you're going to see it in use or lack of use, really, in mm -hmm. any documentation endeavors that you might have. So... That's the first thing. It's very important to be visible in the places where these conversations are taking place. And then the second thing I would say is really know your audience, especially when it comes to internal. And if you can understand what it is that they find important and find a way to link that back to how your documentation impacts that directly or even indirectly. So. Make sure to keep in mind what it is that they're tracking for, what their metrics, what are they looking for, whether it's you know the use in APIs, for example, like we were talking about before, and link that back to the quality and the accessibility of the documentation that you're producing to make sure that the what you're doing is 
definitely taken into account when certain decisions are being made and fitting in how the documentation is going to impact that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. It's a bit of a tightrope walking, right? Like gaining definitely. the uh, <laughs> gaining the confidence and getting input and then not being overwhelmed by very helpful suggestions though. Right, exactly. And another question is about external feedback from Alison. Can you speak to techniques for getting collected external feedback to the appropriate writers on a large writing team? Mm -hmm. So I can speak to how we do that currently. So the way we get our external feedback is through GitHub issues. And so we have a tagging process that we go through for these issues. And we also have specific writers that are keyed in and really act as the representatives of the writer um, when it comes to certain engineering core teams. So whenever there are questions about certain areas of documentation that pertain to a core engineering team, that is automatically directed to the appropriate writer. So you do, if I understand well, you do triage within the writer team? Yes. Yeah. And one last question from Miriam. What do you think about educational institutions requiring their developer students to take documentation courses? It seems like technical writers can't convert to technology writing quick enough, and it would give developers and developer hiring managers better understanding, perhaps. Mm -hmm. So, yes, this is an interesting question because I know that this is something that came up a lot when uh, I was in school, like the idea of there being mandatory writing education for engineers or software developers. And I agree with this. Um, I think that I don't think I've ever met a developer who does not see the value in documentation. I think that what it comes down to is maybe a hesitancy because they have not been trained in writing specifically to be the one to either document themselves and feel comfortable in doing it, comfortable to a point where it's a natural part of their workflow. And those who, and even speaking to that, there are some engineers who are very keen and understand the use of documentation and they kind of bring it upon themselves and graciously document things for other developers and they're very highly praised for that. So I definitely think that it is a good idea when it comes to really understanding what goes into technical documentation. There is nothing like experiencing it for yourself to really gain an appreciation for all of the work that goes into it and all of the thought that needs to happen, especially taking on and being an advocate for developers who aren't necessarily uh, any less skilled, but just don't have the context that a developer on the inside has. And I find that when I'm talking with um, my internal engineers, my internal developers, that's something that they're not always keeping in mind. So just to have a practice in documenting, writing, and then also keeping your end user in mind, your reader in mind would be very helpful. Okay, thanks for listening. And now a couple of announcements. First, please note that we're accepting talk proposals for the fall season of our API The Docs virtual series, which will begin in September. If you want to share your knowledge and experience with the API The Docs community, please visit apithedocs.org forward slash 
Virtual, and click on Submit a Talk. Second, this fall we're hosting a virtual version of the Dev Portal Awards, where we will present awards to the best developer portals in various categories, chosen by public voting from the API The Docs community. The awards event will take place on November the 25th. Public API Dev Portals can be nominated until the 15th of August at devportalawards.org, where you will see the Nominate button. And if you haven't done so, please visit apithedocs.org to sign up for the newsletter for information on these events and join the API The Docs community Slack workspace. And I also invite you to follow us on Twitter at API The Docs. Thanks again to our speakers for sharing their knowledge and experience with the API The Docs community and to Pronovix for hosting the event and this podcast. This is Mark Winberry signing off wishing you success in your API and documentation programs and lots of happy developers.